<laughs> I think we're live. Oh, welcome to 41 Strong. My name is Chuck Tate. Great to have you with us. We also want to welcome our live Facebook family, our live Instagram family. I am here in the Widecast Studios, Peoria, Illinois. And today we're going to get right to it. Easter is Sunday, April 1st. It's not an April Fool's joke. It actually is. The joke is on the devil. Jesus came back. And we believe that. And I'm going to share five reasons why the resurrection is real. In fact, if the resurrection isn't real, then our faith is useless. Our message doesn't mean anything. It's not necessary to have church, to be the church. It's not necessary to preach the gospel. If the resurrection is not true, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. C.S. Lewis said that. We believe he was Lord. He is Lord, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, above and beneath everything, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So I want to begin um, today just by laying a foundation of, of the Word. We base everything on the Word. As Christians, we weigh everything with Scripture. I'm also going to just show you why the resurrection is real according to things that were documented in Scripture. We're going to talk about historical evidence, scientific evidence. We're going to talk about circumstantial evidence. We're going to talk about life change, all of those things today. So um, I'm just glad that you are, you're hanging out with us, and um, let's, get, let's get to it. First of all, let's talk about the, the, the power of Scripture, the power of the Bible. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a collection of 66 books. 66 books written by 40 different authors from 16 countries. The Bible was penned in 16 countries, three languages on three continents. The Word of God roughly spans about 1,500 years. There's one hero of the story, and his name is Jesus, and we're going to celebrate him this weekend celebrate his resurrection, not just his death, but the fact that he came back from the dead. Now, what's amazing about the Word of God is the Bible was written from all sorts of different types of, of places. We know that it was written by eyewitnesses. It was written by Moses while he was in the wilderness, by Jeremiah in the dungeon, written by Luke while he was traveling. Paul was in prison when he penned several books of the New Testament. John wrote the book of Revelation while on the island of, of Patmos. So again, we have 66 books written by 40 authors in 16 countries in different areas, three continents. It was written in three languages. It spans 1,500 years, and it is consistent. It flows together, and it points to one hero, and that is Jesus. All right. Now, I want to I want to begin by talking about some prophecies that were, were fulfilled, all right? Prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament was fulfilled when Jesus showed up in the New Testament. And let me just give you a couple examples. It was prophesied, it was written 700 years before it happened that Jesus would be born of a virgin, all right? 700 years, documented. We're talking about an historical document that was unearthed, that was dug up, a manuscript that we have of the Old Testament, all right? And then when archaeologists, they dug up manuscripts of the New Testament. In fact, let me just say this. There are more 
there have been more archaeological discoveries to validate the Bible than any book in history. Right? We have more. We have more manuscripts, original manuscripts of the Bible than any than a, any book in history, as well. So we have things that were written down and dated that actually happened 700 years later, exactly like they were written. Think about that, all right? That's just one example, all right? It was prophesied, it was penned, it was written that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Then we find out that's exactly what happened 700 years later. Now, 500 years before it happened, it was prophesied that Jesus would make his triumphant entry on a donkey. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday, where we celebrated his triumphant entry when he came riding on the donkey and everybody was waving their, their palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? A week later, they were yelling, crucify him, all right? But listen, that was, that was prophesied 500 years before it happened. It was written down. We have original manuscripts that show when it was dated, when it was written, and then we have manuscripts that were dug up that have been dated 500 years later prophecy prophecy fulfilled in jesus it was prophesied that jesus would be betrayed 1000 years before jesus was betrayed it was written that it would happen think about that what are the chances of these prophecies coming true they have to be true it was prophesied not only that Jesus would be betrayed, but this is where it gets amazing. It was prophesied 500 years before it happened. Not only would he be betrayed, but he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And that's exactly what was happened in the New Testament writings written by eyewitnesses. That's what happened. And then you can trace it back 500 years to when it was foretold that it was going to happen. What else? It was prophesied 1,000 years before Jesus was crucified. It was prophesied that he would be crucified. 1,000 years before it even happened. This was, what's amazing about this, it was written, documented, that Jesus would die on a cross before crucifixion was even invented. The Bible, there's no other book like it. It's the number one selling book of all time. It's the number one selling book every single year. Did you know it's the most shoplifted book of all time? Did you know the Bible is the only book that people will literally risk their lives? They will risk death just to get their hands on a copy of it. And we're blessed to be able to have, have, have the Word of God right up on our mobile phone. Right? If you have version, if you have the, the Bible app or Daily Audio Bible, whatever Bible that you have on your, on your smartphone, you can take the Word of God with you wherever you go. You can have it in multiple translations, and if you don't like to read, it'll read to you, right? What an opportunity we have to, to be in the Word. Let's take advantage of that. There are people in other countries that will literally risk their lives just to get a, their hands on a, on a hard copy, a physical copy of the Bible. There's no other book like it. Why? Because it is alive the bible is alive it's not just a book it's not just a what the bible is a who 
Jesus is the living word. In the beginning, this is what John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Verse 14 says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. When Jesus came from heaven to earth and rocked the manger and set foot on planet earth, the living word showed up. This is why the collection of books that make up the Bible is the absolute inspired word of God. And that's not even, that's not popular with some people today. Some people say the Bible is just ancient writings. It's irrelevant. Man, that's baloney. The word is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierces dividing asunder of soul and spirit joints tomorrow. It helps discern the thoughts and intents of our heart. Jesus is the living word. He's alive. The word's alive. You can't get rid of it. No matter how hard people have tried throughout the years to to get rid of it. Even when William Tyndale, when he penned the Bible, when he translated it into English so the common person would be able to read it and understand it, he was literally burned at the stake because of it. But guess what? The Bible lives on. Why? Because you can't kill it. Because Jesus is alive. And we are celebrating that. Without the resurrection, this podcast doesn't matter. The church doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't matter. It's real. And here's what's awesome about the Bible. It's 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, 773,692 words of God speaking to us. Are we taking advantage of that? Are we reading it? Do we memorize it? Do we move it from our head to our heart so it comes out of our mouth? As the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know about you, but I want the word in me because the word is alive. Here's what else it says. The same spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave lives in us. I mean, how cool is that, right? We don't have to walk around defeated. We don't have to hang our head. We go through seasons of discouragement and sadness. We go through seasons where we mourn and we weep. It's a time for everything, Right? But we're not like people who don't have hope. What is that hope? It's the hope that someday we're going to be in the Lord's presence forever and ever because he is eternal. His world is his word is eternal. So let me give you five reasons why I believe the resurrection is real. And before I get into those, I want to I want to go right to a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 14 just to reiterate what I've already mentioned. It says if Christ has not been raised, this is the apostle Paul talking, and he's the one that had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus when his name was Saul, what transformed him? How how do you go from being a persecutor of the church? How do you go from being a Christian killer to a pastor? All right, you have to have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and that's exactly what happened to Paul. He didn't believe in the resurrection, but then he experienced Jesus, just like some of you. It doesn't matter what any any atheist or any agnostic says to you about God not being real. You don't believe it because you've experienced God. You've experienced his presence. Not only have you been an eye, eye, eyewitness of what he's done in, in your life, you are a living testimony. You, nobody can tell you God is not real because he is the one who saved you, he healed you, he delivered you, he ripped you out of the muck and the mire, right? You on solid foundation, extended grace and mercy to you. You can tell me God's not real all you want, but I don't believe it, man. I was, high of a, I was healed of a fatal disease when I was five years old. There was no hope for me. I talk about this in my book, 41 Will Come. God healed me. 
A very real God, Jehovah Rapha, a God who's still alive today in the same spirit that ripped him out of the grave is inside of me. So Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching, this podcast is useless. Our faith is useless. If the grave wasn't empty, Christianity didn't mean anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just like the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. That's it's the second time that Paul has pointed that out, just like the scripture said. Again, what is scripture? We have manuscripts that were dug up by archaeologists. All right, we we know that it is a historical fact that Jesus lived this earth. Now, it's debated on whether or not he came out of the grave. But again, I'm going to share it. If you just hang out with me for a few more moments, I'm going to give you five reasons why his resurrection is real. So Paul says, just like the scripture said, he was seen by Peter. See, after he, raised, after he was raised from the grave, Peter saw him. It would be debatable if only one person ever saw him after he was raised from the grave. It was just Peter, right? But it wasn't just Peter. He was also seen by the 12. Not only that, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. That's 500 eyewitnesses. We're going to come back to that. And when this was penned, Paul said, most of them who are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul says, I saw him. Paul, who used to be Saul, who didn't believe in the resurrection, saw Jesus. What would make you go from not believing to believing? Well, to see Jesus. And that's what happened. He saw him. That's why his life was transformed. That's why we come to Christ. The blinders come off. We become brand new people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old one we used to live is gone. We become brand new. Why? Because we experience Jesus. We're transformed by Jesus. All right. So if Jesus is dead, all right, if, if he's still dead today, then, then how do we explain these things? I'm going to give you five reasons right now why the resurrection is real. Again, we're celebrating Easter this weekend, so what better time to talk about the resurrection being real than, than our, our holy week? This is it, right? I mean, Thursday night, a lot of people will celebrate the Last Supper. Friday is Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross. The reason it's good is because he didn't stay dead. Why did he call it Good Friday? Because it might have been Friday, but Sunday was on the way. He was ripped out of that grave on Sunday. So if Jesus is dead, then how come? Number one, the first reason why the resurrection is real is the disciples had a complete and total transformation of character. After the resurrection, they lived differently. Okay? Here's the deal. The disciples, before the resurrection, the disciples were cowards. Before the resurrection... The disciples deserted Jesus. They fled. They ran. They were cowards. After the resurrection, they launched the church. And even after Jesus ascended to heaven, did you know that every single disciple was martyred? I mean, Judas killed himself. 
John was put in a boiling pot and survived. But every other disciple was murdered. How can you explain their transformation of character if Jesus didn't really raise himself from the grave? You don't die to cover up a lie. It's been debated that, well, they were just lying. They were just making it up that, you know, they said they saw Jesus alive. Well, you don't allow yourself to get killed for covering up a lie, right? How can you explain? How can you explain that? They went from being cowards to being martyrs. What would do that for you? Well, if you saw Jesus dead and then you saw him alive again, that would do it for you. Like, man, everything he said is true, man. I'm all in. You can kill me if you want. I know this. It's all real because I saw him dead. I saw him alive. Say what you want. There's, the, there's your first reason. All right. Second reason that we're going to share right now is this. Okay, if, if, if Jesus didn't raise himself from the grave, if he was dead, then what would be the motive of the disciples to cover up a lie? Just kinda, they kind of coincide together. So number one, the disciples had a total transformation of character. All right, they went from being cowards to being bold, but they also went to their death. So what would be the motive to cover up a lie? What would be the motive for the disciples to say, no, this, hey, guy, they say they gathered together and said, we got to keep this going. We just got to tell people that Jesus, um, that he's alive, even though he's dead. Why would they, why would they cover up a lie? Did that bring them fame? Did they cover up a lie? Would they cover up a lie to get fame? Did, did, did it bring them fame? Would it, did, it, did it bring them glory? Did it bring them money? No, you know what it brought them? Death. How do you explain a motive to cover up a lie? Again, we're talking about the resurrection. Five reasons why the resurrection is real. Number one, the disciples had a total transformation of character. Number two, what would be the motive to cover up a lie? When you answer that question, you know that the resurrection is real. I mean, one example was Peter. All right, think about Peter for a moment. Peter was, was the bold disciple. He was the one that walked on water, the only, the only one that actually got out of a boat and did something impossible. And we always rip him because he sank. But I'm like, man, there were 12 potential water walkers in the boat, and he's the only one that got out. All right, so I love, I love Peter. But he also tried to correct Jesus and Jesus is, he's the only disciple that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. All right, Peter, man, he was just, he was just a big and bold and would say anything. But here's what happened. He told Jesus, he tried to correct Jesus. He told Jesus that he wouldn't deny him. And Jesus said, listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me not once, but three times, bro. And he says, no, I won't. If I have to Go to jail for you, I'll go to jail for you. If I have to die for you, I'll die for you. I will never disown you. But that's what he did. After Jesus was arrested, he deserted Jesus. And the scripture says that he watched Jesus at a distance. Somebody recognized him, and he denied. I don't know, I don't know Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Three times. One of the times, a, a, a young girl recognized him and pointed him out and said, hey, that, that's one of... Jesus' disciples. And it says that he cursed the girl. He cussed out this, this little girl and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And in that moment, the scripture says that the rooster crowed and he made eye contact with Jesus from a distance. And he remembered what Jesus said before the rooster crows who denied me three times. 
And he went out and he wept bitterly. I would weep bitterly too. He felt like a failure. He did exactly what he said he wouldn't do. He's just like us, right? God will never do this again. And then, oh man, I'm an idiot, right? That's, that's how we felt, felt. You know, there's a commentary that says that when Jesus looked at Peter, he looked at him as if to say, Peter, you failed. I know you failed. But, I'm glad there's a but in there, but it's still not over. I love that. It's still not over. That wasn't going to be the end of the story. Jesus was not going to let that be the end of the story. So he went out. Peter left, though. He he went out, and he wept bitterly. He was a mess until the resurrection. Check this out. When Jesus raised himself from the grave, what did he say? He said, go tell the disciples, and who? Peter's the only one he mentioned by name. Go to the disciples, and Peter, tell them that I'm alive. When he went to the cross, Peter was on his mind. The last time he saw Peter, Peter didn't look so good. He was weeping bitterly. That rooster crowed. He recognized his failure. He felt like a mess up. So when Jesus raised himself, he said, go get Peter. Go tell him I'm alive. How do you explain the transformation in Peter's character? From being a wuss and cursing out a little girl to preaching the gospel. He was the first one to preach a message after Jesus ascended to heaven and 3,000 people got saved literally started the church and here we are still the church for those of you that are watching and listening today more than 2,000 years later the church is still going strong because one man who failed had a transformation in character how do you explain that the resurrection he saw Jesus crucified he saw Jesus alive he was commissioned by Jesus and even when he was put to death he said I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Christ crucify me upside down You don't do that for a lie. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. I believe he's Lord. Peter believed he's Lord. You can't stop the church. You can't stop the word. Jesus is alive. The third reason why the resurrection is is real. You have to explain the alteration of the day of worship. Prior to the resurrection, the Sabbath was celebrated on Saturday. After the resurrection, it was switched to Sunday. Who switched it to Sunday? The disciples began to worship on Sunday. They met every day. But from that point on, the day that was celebrated was Sunday. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected on Sunday. So how do you explain the alteration from Sabbath being Saturday to Sunday? If Jesus didn't really raise himself from the grave, then that wouldn't have happened. All right, there's your third reason. The fourth reason, all right, the fourth reason why we believe the resurrection is real is because the tomb of Christ has not been enshrined. Now, I'm sure you can go somewhere wherever Buddha is buried. I haven't even researched it because I don't even care. Because he was just a teacher. He's a man. He's dead. His bones are in a grave. There's a memorial. There's candles. There's people that light and come and and re... But Jesus, it's an empty grave. It's an empty tomb. You can jump on a plane today. You can fly to Israel and you can go to a tomb. And guess what? There's no body in it. How do you explain that? Every other world religion leader is dead. Not Jesus. 
There's not a tomb that's, in, that's enshrined. People don't go there to mourn and weep. They go to their snap pictures to confirm the resurrection is real. All right, number five, the fifth reason why we believe the resurrection is real is this. How do you explain the growth of Christianity without the resurrection of Christ? How would it be possible for Christianity to still exist more than 2,000 years later? We're talking about 11 guys because Judas was dead. 11 disciples that turned the world upside down. Why and how? Because Jesus was alive. They were with him for three years. They witnessed him do miracle after miracle. They didn't even get it when he tried to explain the cross. They were brokenhearted. They deserted him. But after he raised himself from the grave, they laid down their lives for the gospel. They began the church and it multiplied and it multiplied and miracles took place and God added to the church daily and here we are more than 2,000 years later still functioning as the church I'm sitting using technology to do a podcast to broadcast the power of the resurrection how can you explain that if the resurrection is not real what started in a room with 120 people today is billions of people check this out by the reign of the emperor Constantine in about the fourth century Christianity had become the most popular religion on the earth and had even overtaken the Roman Empire. How do you explain that if the resurrection isn't real? Again, the disciples, if it was just a lie, they would have just, it would have fizzled out. As soon as they got pressured, they would have said, okay, we made it up, sorry. They didn't do that. They died because they would not say the resurrection was a hoax. They believed it. I hope you believe it. The Bible's true. 66 books written by 40 authors spans 1,500 years. One hero of the story, his name is Jesus. He's alive and he's on the inside of me. And if you're following him, he's on the inside of you. you. And that same spirit that resurrected him from the grave is in us. So we can live different, can't we? We can live different. You know, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus was asked a question, wait, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. He said, then he said this, the next one is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Because we believe in the resurrection, because we're followers of Jesus, we need to love Jesus, we need to love others, and we need to invite people to our table. I talked about this this past weekend at our church. We have an opportunity to invite our neighbor to our table. Table. Who's our neighbor? Well, when you read scripture, you're going to find out that our neighbor was the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Our neighbor is disreputable characters, crooks, sinners like us. Our neighbor is outsiders. Our neighbor is insiders. Our neighbor is our enemy. We got to love our neighbor like ourselves, and we can't love ourself if we don't recognize that we've been created in God's image, right? We're image bearers. 
we have an opportunity to invite our neighbor to our table this week. Tom Rayner said 82% of people invited to church will come. Let's invite people. As we wrap up this podcast, who do you need to go after? Who do you need to invite? In fact, if you live in the Peoria area, I personally want to invite you to the Living Last Supper, a production that we're doing this weekend. Good Friday, 7 o'clock, Saturday, 5 o'clock. Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. where we're going to bring the painting, Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, we're going to bring it to life. And that painting is the moment, it, 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 it illustrates the moment Jesus had just spoken the words to the disciples, one of you will betray me. And the scripture says one by one they begin to ask, God, is it, is it I? Could it, could it be me? So we're going to bring that to life. We're going to look at the life of each disciple, the transformations that took place, how the church began. And it's all tied back to one event, the most significant event in history, the resurrection. The resurrection. Jesus is real. The resurrection is real. So let's live like it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, right now, I just thank you for everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, whether on Facebook or Instagram or iTunes, however they're listening and watching today. I just pray right now, God, that you will fuel our faith. Your word says that as we hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing that word. And I thank you that as, as we've shared some things today, there are people watching. Listen, their faith has been fueled. And I just pray right now, God, that you will give us boldness to love our neighbor as ourselves, to extend a hand to those around us, to invite people to our table. There's room at your table for everyone. And I pray that we'll do our part, that we'll take advantage this week, the most attended church day of the year. There will be people that will come to church this weekend that normally would never go if invited. And I just pray that we'll do our part to invite people. And we just thank you in advance for the divine appointments that you're going to get the right people in the right chairs in the right churches at the right time to respond to the resurrection. We thank you, Jesus, that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. So we thank you by faith in advance for the party that's going to go on in heaven this weekend as a result of the good news of you, Jesus. And it's all because of the resurrection. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with me today on 41 Strong. We look forward to seeing you next week. For more information, you can go to my website, chuckytate.com, chuckytate.com. All right. For our producer, Mike Sable, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. PeoriaLife.com.